Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, with me, your host, Aaron Mashbitz, aka Jackson Stone. This is episode 121 of Jackson Talks, everybody. And we have a very familiar guest today on the podcast, Sam Pack. That's me. Welcome back to the show. I'm back. You are back. And before we basically hop right into what's happening today, I want to let people know who maybe this is their first time listening or watching that Sam is the most featured guest we have on this podcast. Wow. Because of his brilliant insight and knowledge, which he will share today. But Sam's uh, very first solo episode was episode number 45. And then we did an episode number 70. And then we did episode number 78. So this is the longest break we've taken in between filming an episode. This is episode 121. Sam also is featured in two other episodes where we have some of our other friends uh, in the picture as well. So whether you're watching via YouTube or you're listening on Spotify or Apple, this is uh, Sam Pack's big return, baby. But I just wanted all of you to know that despite... How many times I've been on here and how long I've known Aaron. He still wrote my name at the top of his <laughs> note sheet. Well, it's just like when I go back and edit the podcast and make a thumbnail and do all this stuff. I to make sure I'm tracking it. Okay. It's a lot of episodes. I got you. Yeah, it is. Um, but episode 78 was one of my most popular episodes because of what you talked about on that pod. And we basically went through half or mm, a little less than half of kind of a list of quotes and sayings and phrases that you've written down in your notes in your phone that you kind of want to live by that resonate with you that means something to you and we talked about seven of those in depth the last time and this time we have seven more to talk about and we're going to jump right in yeah so let's do. go here we go and uh, again i i know i talked about this on the last one some of these are just quotes that I, I pulled from places. Other the other of them are ones that I kind of developed myself that are very much written in language as if I'm talking to myself. Mm -hmm. So know that going in. Uh, some of these are not meant to be holistic rules for everyone to follow. Mm -hmm. And they definitely, certain people need to phrase the things that are behind these in a certain way. I know how I'm going to read them. So that's how I wrote them. So just bear that in mind. I will try to caveat if one of them is directly from me. That way you know whether this comes from a reputable source or just some guy you're listening to on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Uh, but there'll be explanations afterwards. So then hopefully after the original phrase and then the explanation, you then can jumble all of that up and figure out what it, if it works for you, if it resonates with you, and then how you can apply it to your own life in a very personal way. So here we go. Yeah, so uh, the list continues to grow, and things have moved around. So if I'm saying the same number for one on the last, just know I'm shuffling around. Uh, this is item number two on the list. You are replaceable. Every job, every person will move on when it ends. Make that shit hurt. What's that mean, Sam? I'd like to get, I, I want to do the same thing we did last time, and I want your thoughts on what you think it means and then i will go into what it means personally to me and why i wrote it that way this one is from me by the way <clears throat> um i don't know if i if i like that last part of it yeah no i knew you wouldn't make that shit hurt but i i kind of agree with that first part you are replaceable like everyone is replaceable everyone will die everyone you love will leave you either 
because they die or they wanted to move on or whatever circumstances happen, your job, um, they fire you, you quit, they're going to bring someone in immediately to fill that exact role. And so you can kind of, in my head, you can kind of take one of two approaches to that. You can kind of take this like nihilistic view of the world and say, well, if I'm replaceable and everyone's going to die, well, then nothing means anything and it's all stupid and I'm not going to put forth any sort of effort and that's it. This is what it is. Or you can take the approach that will create a more meaningful, purposeful life, which is like, okay, you are replaceable. Yes, things do come to an end. So why not put everything I have into what I have right now in the direction I'm going? And if it does end or if it doesn't work out great or if it ends poorly or if someone I love passes away or if I get fired, whatever it is, I'm still trying to express my most unique characteristics and that's how it goes. And so I'm trying to live that, live my best life regardless of expecting things to end or knowing that things do come to an end or whatever the case may be. So I do agree that everything is replaceable, obviously. Yeah. But there's an approach that you can take to knowing that. It's like kind of the same idea that life, the, the kind of the meaning of life is searching for the meaning of life in that regard. So I take the secondhand approach of like, yeah, I might be replaceable. Someone else could probably fill my roles on this podcast doing the exact same thing, but I treat it uh, with a lot of responsibility and care because I'm trying to express my most unique characteristics. And so I think that's what you can take from that. And then if someone does leave you, if someone does break your heart, if things do go wrong, don't make that shit hurt. (laughs) Um, You know, try and best move on and carry on in the best way you possibly can. Um, Because holding on to a grudge is like, you know, injecting poison and expecting not to hurt you. So. And that's why I like bouncing these off you first, because I want your unfiltered opinion before I give my explanation, Mm. because then you'll, you, you will see my side of it more and you might talk differently than you would have completely candid beforehand. So I, I wrote this with the mentality of trying to work. So it was mostly job related, Mm. um, but it does carry over into the amount of work that you have to put into relationships and things like that. Um, So a point of pride that I've had in, you know, past job experiences is after having left and after having moved on, like talking to the boss sometime later and they're talking about like, yeah, we needed multiple people to do the things that you did. So you, it hurts the organization because now they have to have two people to do one job, Mm. but it is a testament to how much work you put into it. Mm. So that's kind of the way when I was writing it, I was thinking about it in the sense that, Hey, I'm going to work so hard that when when I move on or I'm put somewhere else, you are going to have to have multiple people tackle all the things that I was doing. Okay. So that's the make that shit hurt. That makes sense because to me. On the I- back end, like you, oh, you didn't realize the effort that was going into this. Yeah. And now you're starting to get a sense like, oh, one person, I can't trust just one person to do all these different tasks. Um, and as I stated before, like that amount of work and that workmanlike mindset that carries over into all aspects of life. So the, the end of the quote 
is not necessarily for relationships. Like I don't want someone crying and doing all kinds of stuff. And the relationship with, they have with future people is all predicated on the things that we had or mm. whatever. But put in that same amount of effort that if they moved on and they did things, you are going to be an influence on them in the future. Maybe it's only like, hey, these are that relationship with him didn't work out, but these are now the attributes I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Like these are the good things that I saw in him that I want to find in the future again. And I know those are things I want as a part of my life. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Because immediately when I heard that, I, I went straight to relationships. <laughs> I know you did. But in a, in a working sense, in a job sense, that makes, that makes uh, I mean, I agree with that 100%. Like if, if you are going to be replaceable, when they do deem you replaceable because they were basically unaware of how much effort you were putting in and how much you did carry the load, when you do leave, they're like, oh, well, damn, I guess. And even if it's not like they, they are unaware, they could be completely aware of it, but like there's sometimes like jobs shuffle people around, like those things happen. Like mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to move to a different department, you're going to move to different responsibilities, or you're just going to have new leadership come in and they are completely unaware of what you have done for the organization in the past. Mm. And then they, they, they move you somewhere, you get shuffled another direction, and now they're like, okay, hey, you're stepping into his shoes, so here's all the things you need to do. And then two or three months later, they're like, hey, man, like, uh, we need somebody to help you out. <laughs> and then I get... I've gotten like texts from like former coworkers and things like that in the past. And they're like, yeah, this person is drowning trying to do everything <laughs> he used to do. And that's a point of pride for me. For sure. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Next one. That's what I love about these is I know you and I think very differently. So that's why they're great episodes. Yeah. And we get two very differing opinions on what these simple words mean. So make them for yourself, please. Yes, absolutely. Uh, number six. This is one that I was excited about when I wrote it, but I didn't think I was ever going to share it with anyone except for like close friends. So this one's going to be interesting. <laughs> the language is harsh, but the lesson behind it is, I think, prudent. Yeah. Uh, number six, you got to fuck with the dick you got. Prepare accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. I think it is. In terms of a... Uh, at least in terms of like a very sexual reference point. Yeah. But if you, I think a little broader, it's like you, you, you're coming to the table with what you got and that's, that's what you got. You know, some things about us can be tweaked and altered and, and grow and improve and change, right? If you have a growth mindset, all those things, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the things that are kind of a part of you that cannot be changed, accept those things and then move in your life very accordingly with that set of ideals. Yeah, I think we've all, I mean, if you've lived it all, you've stepped into something that you did not feel prepared for. Mm -hmm. And depending on the time frame you had, you had a certain amount of time to kind of get yourself ready for it. So the the lesson I try to give to myself and continue to relearn by through this specific quote is hey, use the time you have and Make the best of it. The day is coming where you're going to start that new job or you're going to have to tackle that task. No matter what you do, you can stress about it or you can prepare yourself for it mm -hmm. with 
the limited things that you may have available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another really interesting quote that I have written down elsewhere that I think is relevant to this specific conversation. And I just read it as we were going through the notes before this. Perfect. Now I got to find it. So you're going to have to bear with me for like another three seconds. Oh, yeah, here it is. From Marcus Aurelius. Never let the future disturb you. You will meet it if you have to with the same weapons of reason which today arm you against the present. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, smart guy. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's like you're going to be thrusted in situations where you're not, yeah, like you said, not fully prepared, you know, but what you have is what you have and go with it with what you got. And I think in relation to like goals or changing habits or things like that, it's like people always want to wait for the perfect time for things to be perfect, like everything to be in the right order for my everything to be set. Like no, nothing's ever going to be perfect. No. Like you just have to start. You just have to take that first step with whatever you got. If you're trying to lose 125 pounds, that's what you got. Prepare accordingly. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. One push up every day. One. Not work out 60 minutes seven times a week. That's fucking really hard, even for yeah. people who like to work out. And, you know, so I'm going to do one push up or I'm going to go for the three minute walk. Like, prepare accordingly. That's what you got. Go forth with that. And then it continues to transform and evolve from there. And then eventually something cool might happen. But you're starting with what you got. Yeah. Accept that. Go from there. Yeah. There's always going to be a level of uncertainty that you cannot get rid of. Like, no matter what the circumstances are. There's going to be things, there's going to be a lot of unknowns that you're going to have to, to deal with. And if you look at it and just think about all the things that you don't know and worry about those, then that's all you're going to know. But just know that, hey, you got what you got. Problem solving mindset. I'm going to get to this point, come hell or high water. I'm marching into it with what I got right here. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Moving Next on. one. Number eight, and this is also relevant. This kind of piggybacks on the last topic. Borrowing trouble from the future does not deplete the supply. Now, I read, I read these once yeah. when we were at breakfast. And this one, I just, I w- I've been thinking about it since then. And I don't have anything. Nothing? I don't have, I don't really know what you mean. Okay. And I've been um, thinking about it. They we're recording this at what time? At two forty-six, yeah. I've been thinking about it since eleven o'clock. Oh, wow! And you, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what you mean. Okay, that's why I'm here. Um, this one is borrowed. I cannot remember exactly where I got it from, um, but this one is stolen from somewhere else. I only steal from the best, so it must be good. Yeah, Mark Twain, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, just you know, Plato, Aristotle. Only the best. So when I read it. There was something going on in, in my personal life or in my professional life that this is really pertinent. And like you start hearing things coming down the pike, like, hey, this move is about to be made or something. And as we were talking about earlier, there's uncertainty about, okay, what exactly am I going to be asked to do? Uh, where am I going? Where are you going to put me? How long? All A bunch of questions come up. Mm-hmm. And... 
I'm the type of person, I cannot shut this thing off. And so I'm constantly trying to fall asleep and still asking the same questions I've been asking myself all day, trying yeah. to find answers. If you, if you go to episode number 70, we actually talked extensively about thinking about thinking. Yes, we did. And so that's, that made me think that. Anyways, go ahead. And so in that vein, like trying to curb and it, again, to jump off of the thinking about your thinking, like trying to break myself from, hey, stop worrying about it. Mm-hmm. If I'm constantly trying to solve problems that I don't even know what the problem is in the future, mm-hmm. those problems are still going to be there That's once we you, get to that point. That's what you mean. Okay. But if I'm jumping ahead of myself, trying to solve them before I know the extent of them, I'm only stressing myself out. Mm-hmm. We'll let it build and let it get there. And then when that problem becomes my problem, then we'll deal with it at that point. But there's no point in reaching so far into the future with so many of those unknowns that we just talked about, Mm -hmm. trying to solve those problems before it's time to. Now I understand. You like it? Yeah, I do. I do. Because, yeah. So you're basically saying that you're not trying to solve future problems that haven't even entered your present moment yet. Like you're just, because you're too much dwelling on what might happen and there's so many what ifs about what might happen and what future problems or challenges might arise that is it taking you away from what's happening currently? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there's certain times where there's problems way out in the future that you may have enough data points for that you could start doing some thinking about and start framing how you're going to solve them. But there's a point where there, you don't know what the next step is. You don't know what the, you're going to get moved somewhere in your job. You're moving to one of those different departments, but they don't know which one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just say it's a matter of time. We're working hammering out the details. So you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're going to be doing. You don't know when this big change is going to happen. Why are you trying to solve problems? when you don't know any of the parameters yeah. of what you're going to be facing. Yeah. You have no information. Nope. Nothing. You can do what you can do in that moment to complete whatever tasks you have going on or the things that are right in front of your face that you need to get solved, but trying to solve problems three months in advance that you don't know anything about, like that's just wasted energy and stressing you for absolutely no reason. Yeah. That makes more sense now. You want to focus on the things that are important, but not urgent. Yeah. What you can control. Yep. Beautiful. Okay. Next one. Fourth one. I'm not sure what number. Number 11. Here we go. Sometimes a free lunch is just too costly. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Everything comes with a price. And... Sometimes the things that are wrapped in a really shiny bow that say they're free are the ones that are going to bite you in the ass the absolute most. And we have to be aware of those kind of little traps in our life. Those things that are kind of a little bit sneaky, but a little bit shiny. And they seem to have like a lot of value, but they're like low in cost. And then over time, it's like, oh shit, that, that costs a lot. And whatever that cost is, your time, your energy, your effort, uh, whatever it is, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And 
we got to be very careful of those things. So that's why you want to be able to kind of figure out your life in a way that you're kind of moving through what's most important to you. And so when those things do come up that look shiny, you're able to say no a little bit more often and with more sincerity because you have a, a clear view of what your life is and those free opportunities or those free things or the things being thrusted at us um, don't look as shiny because we have this like clear vision of where we want to go with our future, I think. You elaborated on it way more than how I intended when I wrote it for myself specifically. Um, for me, this was definitely written about people mm. in the in the thought that, you know, sometimes even if somebody's saying, I, hey, let's go to lunch, I'll buy you lunch, all this stuff, like, is that person in that moment worth the energy I'm going to have to expend? Like, are they going to drain me emotionally or whatever way is just being sitting at lunch with them, having a conversation going to be more work than I really want to put in. Mm. Um, because there are people that we're forced to interact with who are like that. Right. Um, and despite like, yeah, free lunch is great. It in a vacuum, Somebody buying my lunch, I'm going to be happy about it. Mm -hmm. But if the the time and the energy I'm going to have to kind of give to them, if that is going to be more of a drain on me at the end of the day than anything else, then it's not worth it. Right. So I'm protecting myself by kind of separating the things I don't really want to associate with. Like, hey, if I have to work with you, we'll work together. But apart from that, like, you're, you're just going to be a drain on my energy, so I'm going to put you in the work box, and that's where you're going to live. Yeah. I also see it as, like, like I know free lunch, it's like lunch is about food, whatever, but I, I also think it about, like, like, watching Netflix or listening to a podcast because, like, those things are free, yeah. and they're very shiny, and they can take up a lot of your time and energy and effort. And what are you trading for that? Like, or eating one donut doesn't have a watching one Netflix show or whatever you're doing doesn't have a, an immediate impact on you and that moment. But over time, bad decisions or good decisions compound and aggregate over time. And then what do we have? So those free Netflix shows or whatever you pay your monthly subscription for, but the binge show, the show that everyone's talking about, the reality show, the, the pizza, the donut, the uh, not exercising, whatever it is, I think all of those things relate. And it's like, in the moment, yeah, it's much better to not go to the gym and sit here for three hours before I go to sleep. It's much easier to go across the street to the gas station and get a donut than like make some food or prep it or go a little bit farther to get some healthy food. But at what cost? And we don't know that cost in the immediate because we're rarely thinking about the downstream effects of our immediate decisions. And that's about good habits and bad habits. Like everything compound and aggregates over time. All these little decisions add up to make this like big thing. That's your whole life. That's your whole life is little decisions. And so they're not little, they're your entire existence as a person. And that's what a shiny little free lunch is about. Is like trying to kind of grab you and pull you in. It's like social media. You're meant to get addicted to social media. Mm -hmm. Their smartest people in the whole world are sitting behind their trip trying to figure out how to get you addicted. And 
if we're not conscious enough about it to make really clear decisions about our usage with the phone, then we're going to get trapped in that. And over time, it's going to be the biggest time waster and the biggest detriment to the human potential that we have over our whole lifespan. And then when you're sitting on your deathbed, that's fucking hell. Yeah. Because you're the, the person you could have been is standing over you like, we had all of this, all this potential, you know? And so that's what I think about. And so it's about making these little choices these little choices that are going to impact your whole entire life downstream. And so when you are dying on your deathbed, you're going, you're thinking that you just, you just spent the last 70 years in heaven. Not that you're going to heaven, whatever you believe, it doesn't matter. Living is the important part. And you're like, wow, I had a fucking sick life. And when I pass and I'm six feet under, people are going to say some, some sweet shit about me. Yeah. Or at least the people that knew me the most, whether that's three people or 700 people, that doesn't matter. But you're going to know internally that you you unlocked your most highest, best self because you didn't get trapped in these little things along the way. Now, everyone gets trapped in these things along the way. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. That's an, Don't even think about that. But, but the majority of the time, we can be conscious and aware enough to make the best decision for ourselves in that moment if we're thinking about these things uh, and then the downstream effect of them. So Yeah. Wow. You took that way deeper. Yeah. Now I'm going to read it that way. Uh, a comment about the, I've always said it, like you use the, the analogy of the person with the person you could have been is standing over you. I always thought of it as I, I want to go out on E. I want to be empty mm. when I'm done. I want to burn this thing all the way to the ground and have absolutely nothing left to give. Yep. So just a different way to frame it. hundred percent. Fifth on the list. And this one is stolen directly from Mark Twain. Mark Twain. So we'll give him credit. Don't argue with an idiot. They'll drag you down to the, you're their level and beat you with experience. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> beat you with experience. Dude, sometimes, I mean, it's like sometimes the best response is no response. Yeah. Simple and clear. Like whether that be on social or in real life. Like... People who say really outrageous, dumb stuff do it all of the time. And they've gotten really quite good at it because they yeah. get a certain reaction and then they can go on these like tangents and they keep going and going and going. And usually these people think that winning an argument means when they talk the loudest. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously not true at all. Winning an argument, well, I don't really think an argument, I like debate or like just sharing opinions. But those kinds of real, actual debates or sharing opinions are just one person talks, the other person talks. And then maybe they meet in the middle, or maybe they don't meet in the middle, but they still, they still share opinions. And they're like, okay, cool, I like that you think that way, I think this way. We don't really agree, but cool, sounds good. But those people who always have to win and say just things that don't make sense just to say them because they know they're going to get a reaction, just talk louder and they start to yell and yell and yell and yell. And then... I'm just like, well, they beat you with experience. I love yeah. that part. And so the best response, majority of the time, especially on social media, is no response. Yeah. If, you, uh, are, if your intention is to, to seek to understand and that's becoming impossible because this person just is unbearable to have a conversation with, then you, you have to just let go. 100%.
But if you're if you're first intention is not seeking to understand and you're trying to win or be right or all that, then you kind of have to reverse that idea and seek to first understand, then try to get where they're coming from. And then it, it becomes a more respectful playing field. And then there can be open dialogue to whatever end point there is. But if you're arguing with someone who just is like, there's just no answer. The answer is to walk away from the conversation, remove yourself from that situation, or just simply do not respond. Oh, 100%. I could not have probably worded it any better. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think, I think you pretty much said it all. And being a person who has argued with my friends just to argue, just to get a rise out of them, obviously we're doing that in good fun, but now nowadays that's much more of a thing. People are just, like you were saying, just trying to yell louder. Like, like that makes them correct. Um, so yeah, at times the best thing is to do is walk away mm-hmm. because in those moments when I argued with you, knowing full well, like I'm just messing with you. Mm-hmm. Like if you just sort of stopped trying to convince me of your point, right? I knew you were right, but I'm just going to keep talking. It also wouldn't have been as fun. Yeah, it would have been way less fun for me. But our relationship was already on a, like, we were already obviously homies. So, like, at that point. But if I'm with a, also in college, all I wanted to do was start arguments. I was the absolute master of starting arguments and fights that I never, ever finished. I was just really, really good at starting them and instigating things because I was, like, very loud. And most of the time I was drunk and I was quite large. And I thought I was mad cool. I was. People thought I was cool. So, I, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah. So it was like. But I was that. I was that guy that I. I was just talking about. Like I would just get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And eventually, people would just be like, "Okay, that's it. Like we're done." You know. But now, obviously, I've uh, kind of flipped that idea a little bit, and I. I love having conversations with people I don't agree with. That's one of the reasons of for this podcast. But we're just having a conversation. Yeah. Simply trying to express one another's ideas and why we have gotten to those ideas. Like what's led you to believe this about this? Oh, now that makes more sense to me instead of only thinking about the seven word tweet they put out and not thinking about the totality of everything that they've gone through. I know that's very hard in a seven word tweet and you like think about it and you like think about the exact parameters of that tweet. But like there's so much to why someone would write that, especially, I mean, not all the time, but majority of the time, the things you see on Twitter, like from like reputable sources, like they have a reason for what they wrote that. And if you're able to have a sit down or a DM chat or just like a a lengthy thread about why they think the way they think, then that's really cool. Maybe you don't agree. Great. That's fine. Doesn't, you don't have to, you're not going to agree with everyone, but you can at least like have this sort of slight understanding and respect as to why they've gotten to that point. And I think that's cool. And we need, we need a lot more of that in today's society. Yeah. And that, that goes off of kind of our previous episode of thinking about your thinking, like understand why you think the way that you think and why you believe what you believe. Cause if you don't know that, then you will have no empathy for why people might think differently. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. If we're not well thought out and sophisticated with our own opinions or what we believe to be true, 
and can back those up as to why we think they're true and why I think this is true and why I believe this and why I stand for this. If you have no backing for that, then what you don't then you don't stand for anything. So that means you stand for nothing. Yeah. And then how so how can then you can argue with someone who has a stance on something and has a an absolute legitimate reason as to why they do and the backstory and the information to back that up and you just like claim to have this view but you don't know why yeah so an, another a way i would try to quantify this like some of you and probably you as well you've had a boss that didn't really understand the full extent of all the work you did you made a decision at the end you had your reasons for why you did what you did and why you chose that path or why you chose to employ something a certain way. And then you went to have that conversation. If you only told him the decision you made, you know there's going to be follow-up questions. So instead of doing that, maybe you showed your work. Mm -hmm. Hey, I reached to this point. I realized, hey, it's this thing or this thing. I think we're stronger this way. So that's how I ended up with this decision. You wouldn't, you wouldn't just tell your boss, hey, this is a decision I made. Right get questions and just flatline. Yeah. You have to show your work a little bit. So make sure that when you are in these discussions, like you can mentally show your own work about how you reached this belief or that decision or things like that. Mm -hmm. Just have that list of things. Like I did things this way and that's just how I, you know, I grew up in this culture, whatever, whatever it is, but there's a reason behind it. So you got to dig a little bit to figure out exactly what that is. 100%. Fantastic. Next one. Number six. And number what on the list? Number 17. Number 17. The last one was number 13. If you're jotting those down. No, I'm just, make, just counting uh, how oh, many we're doing. Check. <clears throat> number 17. Don't grow old with nothing to show for your long life except your age. I mean, we just kind of talked about this we did. with the heaven and the hell. Like, you will die. 100%. Like, and we have to come to terms with that idea. Like, everyone you've ever loved, known, and cared for, or just seen in passing, will die. Mm -hmm. And when you do eventually hit that point in your life, whenever it may be, because unexpected things happen all the time, that's why aiming to live your life to the fullest extent, doing the things you enjoy and love and with the people you love and telling them that you love them and doing the things that you dream about and wish and attempt to be like doing all of those things because you never know when the last time will be the last time. And that's legit. That's as legit. That is the most legit thing I can say. Like that is the most true thing that I can say is that you literally do not know when the last time will be the last time. Nope. And so when you say goodbye, maybe you have a plan for next week, but next week doesn't always come. And so when you yourself finally reach that point in your life where you are about to go, you just, like you said, you want to know that you're, you're on empty, baby. Yeah. You ran it all the way the fuck up. You made a ton of mistakes. You fucked up royally a bunch of times. But you learned from that shit and you grew from that and you did the things you said you were going to do and you held yourself accountable and you lived a life and you traveled and you drank food or drank food. You drank and you ate great food and you had amazing memories and you, tra you traveled as much as you could and you just, you did 
all of the stuff. Yep. And you lay your head down for that last time and you're like, I don't care what anyone says about me at my funeral. I enjoyed the fuck out of my life. And that's a, that's a whole totality of your life, right? Not every moment is great. Oh, no. And not every day is good. And we can't expect every day and every moment to be great. No, that's not what I'm saying. Because like you said last time, right? You cannot paint a good picture without any dark colors. If, there, if life was never, if there was no bad moments, if there was no pain, if there was no anguish or sadness or any of that, then we would not fully appreciate the beauty in life. The greatness, the light, the friendships, the love. And so it all comes together. But, and so all of that's going to happen. You're going to spiral up. You're going to have ups and downs. There's going to be peaks and valleys. There's going to be so many things that come into your life. But at the very end of it, all you're really thinking about is, yep, through all of that stuff, through all the trenches, the dirt, the mud, getting punched in the face, knocked down, I kept getting back up. I got back up. I got back up literally till I couldn't because this is where I am now, on my deathbed. I did it. I lived, my, I lived that shit to my fullest. I enjoyed the fuck out of it. And see you on the other side, baby boy. You know, that's it, right? And that's a really good exercise to do because if you picture yourself there in hell, take a quick trip to hell. Take a quick trip. Zoom yourself there right now. And you're looking over yourself and you're like, you left everything on the table. Everything. It doesn't mean you succeeded in everything that you did because that's also impossible. But you at least fucking tried. You tried. You put yourself out there on multiple occasions and you cared about what you were doing. That's all it is. Success is giving your best effort because a lot of the other stuff is outside of your control. But giving your best effort is always inside of your control. And so that's what I think about that. Yeah. You nailed it. Like, man, it's it's so important, dude. It's like, like people don't, like people know that people are gonna die. Yeah. But we don't, we don't like, like understand, like get it until until we have a death in our own life, and then sometimes we still don't get it because it might be like a grandparent, right? That's usually how it goes, and they're like, oh, they're old. Like, it sucks. It's really sad. I love them, right? Obviously, all of that stuff. But they're like, they're old. Their life will pass. But it's when, when it's like someone young or unexpected, they're like, oh, shit. That's exactly what happened to me, obviously. Yeah. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not, I'm not letting this anything go. Like, I've always been someone who keeps in touch with the people that I love the most. Like, I've done that for my whole life. Like, even when I d- didn't really have any friends Well, I didn't do that in high school because I didn't have any friends. Like, I just didn't. But now, like, the people that I knew in high school, I'm I'm kind of rekindling back with them now and stuff like that. But, like, since I met my people, which is you and our friends, like, I've always done that, no matter the situation. Because I saw my dad do it. Like, he embodied that every single year for the last 30 years since I can remember. He's gone on his trip with his boys. And I'm like, okay, so that's, that's friendship. Like yeah. you don't have to live in the same place, but you, you, you keep in contact and you, you spend time together. Yeah. And so, but that's, it's more crystal clear now for me. Um, but I, I've, I've always been like that just cause I never had great friends. And when I did finally find great friends, it's like, 
well, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Like people to hang out with, people I care about, people that want to do stuff with me. Like obviously it was way more convenient at university because we were like sure. right there. Sam, what are you doing? All right, here we go. Yeah, we're doing this. You know, now it's a little more challenging, but not that more, not that much more challenging really. We see each other, you know, fairly frequently. I saw you in March. See you right now. It's October. I'll hopefully see you again in December, and then again in March. So you know, we do a pretty good job. Yeah, we're fairly but, consistent. But when you come home from what you're doing, like you only live three and a half hours from me, so yeah. that that makes it better. But 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 it's effort. But it's yeah, that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. I was talking about this with my my girlfriend with Re, and it's like when I view like a long term relationship, like a forever relationship. All I think about is, okay, am I willing to give this person consistent effort for the rest of my life? And if the answer is yes, then we're good. That's a good way to frame it. We can figure everything else out. Like, obviously, we have to be on the right page on a certain amount of things. Sure. But I'm not going to have that thought in my head unless all of the other non-negotiables have already been sorted. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the values are aligned, right? All that other stuff. But then it's like, okay, we've been dating for a while. Is do I want to put this same amount of effort in, give or take, on days, whatever, for the rest of my life? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. And then I hold myself to that standard. That's important. Because that's what I said. And that's what I, how I view every relationship where I love the people in them. You, my parents, my girlfriend, all of that stuff. Good for you, brother. Because it's effort. It is effort. It'd be, it would have been so easy for us to have just... Lost touch. Lost touch. It'd yeah. be so easy. I'll see you at some weddings and yeah. every couple of years and... Be surprised when you show up because I didn't know you were coming. Right. Don't talk to each other. You know, whatever, whatever. But I mean, the easiest thing. Oh, yeah. Because I am not the easiest person to keep in touch with. (laughs) But it it takes somebody, like, with that mentality who's like, you know what, I'm going to put in effort, and then it keeps me honest. It translated to you, though, yeah. This guy's working. Like, I got to work as equally as he is. Because it does, it's it's an energy. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it would have been really easy to do that and to catch up for a couple days here and there. And You've seen it a thousand times. We, we see it all the time. Yeah. We see it all the time, but I wanted, I, I wanted something different for our group. You know, not everyone in the group is on the same page. Sure. Right, but we do, we do a good job, I yeah. think. I think we do a really good job, and it's because I had examples of that. And that's, that's really special. Yeah. Mark crushing it. Crushing it, Mark. Oh, boy. He doesn't listen to the pod, so. It's okay. I'll give him a shout out anyway. <laughs> My mom will hear this. <laughs> Hi, Lori. Final one? You have two more marked. Which one do you want to go with? 18 or 19? Oh, we can do both. Okay. So he lied to you. Yep. Two more. Number 18. The cheapest woman tends to be the one you pay for. I mean, this is very similar to the to the free lunch. Yeah, this is a stolen quote from Jack Reacher, the movie. Good movie. Good movie. Two movies with Tom Cruise, and the new show is pretty good. It was. Um, also, just I love that guy because he was in Blue Mountain State. <laughs> For being real, you were you were tilting tilting towards liking it just because he was in it. Oh yeah, you watched it up. Hundred percent. I was like, I already love this show. But all I could think about was Thad Castle screaming. Yeah, I was waiting for the scream. Yeah. the entire show. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have much to say on that one because I think it's very similar to the free lunch one. 
It is. Yeah. Pay attention to what you put your energy towards. Like hundred percent. If you are putting your energy in something that you know is not going to work out or something that's easy and simple, maybe that's not where you should be directing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keep an eye on yourself more than anything, because it is exceptionally easy to fall into something that is just very, this is easy. Mm-hmm. And this is no difficulties, no, no complications or anything like that. If that, if it's what you're looking for, if it matches all those things you were just talking about, mm-hmm. then maybe that's something that's worth it. But if it's not, then you need to kind of check yourself and do an internal inventory and make sure that, is this what I want? No, then probably need to cut bait and yeah. keep it moving. Jordan Peterson talks about this. Like He says there's no such thing as casual sex. And, you know, I think that's, that's true. I would agree with that. You know, because sex is not a casual thing. No. It's not casual. We, we try to treat it as such. I used to, for sure. Um, but it's not. It's not casual. It's the most intimate thing you can do with the person. Mm-hmm. And no matter if you're saying that you're not going to catch feelings, you're just friends with a little thing on the side, but none of that stuff ever ends up being true. No. Because we're too... Um, one, you're, you are emotionally exposed when having sex. Mm-hmm. You're physically exposed. And so there's not, not really a scenario where you aren't going to catch some sort of feelings for that person. This just doesn't work. That's not how human nature goes. And so there is no such thing as casual sex. And so when thinking about yourself in a romantic manner or in a sexual manner, do not make those decisions lightly. You know, I'm, I made a lot of very loose decisions about my uh, sexual proclivity. And it led me all the way to wanting to do and needing to do a year of celibacy. Yeah. And then it actually opened me up to find something that was actually real and important. And I'm not saying everyone has to do that. And I'm not saying you should remain a virgin or whatever. I'm not saying any of that. You got to figure it out for your own life. But there, there is always a price to sex. Agreed. There's always a price. Are you willing to pay that price? Yeah, one of you is going to pay it. Because, you know? as you said, like emotion always gets tied up in it. Like some, one of you is going to pay for it. And sometimes both of you, because now you're the person without the emotion as tied to it. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to deal with the, the conversations or like now you're, you're risking hurting someone. Or you're the one with feelings and you're risking the, being the one being hurt. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There's always a price. There's always a price. There's always a price. No such thing as a free one. You know, there's always consequences. And consequences don't always have to be, you know, the connotation is that consequences are negative. But there's positive consequences and we have to think about those things too in regard to all of the decisions that we're making especially ones that are extremely important to our lives and paramount like having sex with another person yeah and you you might back into something where you are in the quote-unquote casual relationship and then you guys kind of figure out like hey we both kind of like spending time together this is i like being around you and you throw that thing out there and maybe 
maybe things do work out. Um, but you got to take stock of those things mm-hmm. because then you're going to have to have the hard conversation where you, you risk things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And on the, on the same side of that, if you're a, a man out there who hasn't had a lot of success in that department, you ha- I think that you need to kind of reframe your decision or your, your thought process on it, right? If all of the women in the world don't want to have sex with you, it's not the woman's fault. No. It's your fault. And that's not a detriment or that's not like a, a, a shot at your character, who you are. It's just like you haven't developed the skills, the tools, the character traits, the look, whatever it is to be attractive to women. So change your mindset to what's wrong with women because there's nothing wrong with them. Women should absolutely be very picky about who they choose as mates because they have a lot of things going on with that that we don't have to think about, Mm -hmm. that they should be very, very picky. They should have very high standards because those high standards then should be encouraging men to elevate our game. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen, but if women can elevate themselves and then be encouraging to young men and young boys then to elevate our own standards and our own game to be the, the person that would a woman would find attractive. That's the point. So it's not about the woman. It's about what things can I do to develop myself that a woman would find attractive. So how can I be more uh, whatever it is, uh, more generous, more curious, uh, more passionate, uh, more compassionate, also being tough, um, being skilled, physically capable, all of these things, kind of the yin and the yang of being a tough man. Uh, and so how can you develop all of those traits, take ownership and responsibility and accountability for who you are and who you want to be and what kind of woman you wish to attract and then elevate your game in that regard. And so taking ownership, as Jocko Wilnick would say, extreme ownership of who you are and what you aim to do and go forth with that. And then put yourself out there repeatedly and then there's a, there's a better chance that you might have. Yeah. And I think a lot of it in that regard is internal. Like people focus so much. I mean, we're human beings. We're attracted by what we see. But at the end of the day, like that's not what you see is not the person that you're dealing with. That is the, the shell that they happen to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, work on the inside. Because, I mean, people have bias maybe is too strong a word but like they have things that they like like certain type of hair color things some people don't take a second look at the bald guy everyone has preferences everyone everybody has preferences and that's if you understand that going in it's like okay like obviously this isn't me if you took some time to get to know who I actually am maybe your opinion on that would change but at first look people are going to see what's on the outside so build up what's in here because some things you just can't change. You can't change. Right. You can't change. You can't determine what that person's preference is just by looking at them. Um, but if, if you get to a point and you get to have a conversation with them, maybe they like the person that you are and like the stuff on the outside doesn't matter anymore. Where in the opposite case, you could be in the room with the most beautiful person in the world and they could have no substance whatsoever. And you'd be like, Oh wow, this is, yeah, yep. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Nice. Last one of the day. Last one. We're on, a, we're on an absolute roll here. Number 19. Yep. 
Don't apologize unless you mean it. Yep. It's very clear. Yeah. You get you want to think of it as your emotional bank account. And when you make withdrawals from that emotional bank account, you want that things to mean something. And so I think it initially starts with being a person who uh, takes responsibility for what they say and do and their actions line up with their words. Once you have that, then your apology, when it's sincere, is taken sincerely as well. If Sam knows that, I'm always on time. Okay, maybe he knows that. Over our friendship, he knows that. When Aaron says he's going to be somewhere or do something, he's going to do it. I'm pretty sure you know that by now. And so if I am like, we're like 24 hours out from meeting somewhere and I call Sam and I'm like, dude, Sam, I, I can't make it. I'm, I'm really sorry. I had this thing come up. I'm sorry, dude. Like, I really am. He absolutely knows. I'll probably explain the situation in detail a bit later, but in that crunch time, I couldn't. He knows because majority of the time, I line up my words and actions and that when I apologize, I actually mean it because it's a rare thing that happens. And so if you are going to apologize, you, you have to apologize sincerely. And the greatest apology, the most... Uh, the apology that works the best is the one where you change your fucking behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I don't. I've always had a pretty good idea. Like you, you can tell when people are like angling for you to say something. Mm-hmm. And I've always had a pretty good idea on like what people were wanted to hear. And. You know this about me. If there's anything that drives me more crazy, it's like the second somebody tells me that they want to hear this from me is the second that I do not want to say it at all. And if you are, they want you to apologize for something you're not actually sorry for, but you say it, then it's manipulative. Mm -hmm. Like then you're using it to just either end the conversation or just walk away from the situation, whatever it is. So I'm not going to, dishonor is a strong word, but I'm not going to kind of betray myself by just giving you the thing that you want to hear without any sort of conversation. Mm -hmm. So make sure, like you said, it is genuine. It does actually mean something because once you are doing it the manipulative way once, it becomes so much easier to do it again Mm -hmm. and again. And again, and then by the end of it, like you're, you're not sorry for anything because you've said it so many times, means this, nothing. Like this kind of spill, yeah. just kind of spills out of your mouth. Yeah, this thing's like pennies sitting in your car. You're just flipping them out the window because you don't care anymore. Right. Apologies are really powerful, and they can mend relationships and fix things if they are actually sincere and genuine, yeah. and there's follow up action. So, fantastic. Sam, thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure. This is another great episode. You know, we did it again. At least it felt that way as we were sitting here talking. did it again. (laughs) Your boy did it again. Um, You have any um, last minute uh, questions, comments, concerns, anecdotes, funny stories? Do you have any quick thoughts on the MLB playoffs? Well, when this episode comes out, the playoffs will be done and over. So, so people all I'm going to ask side you, side. all I'm going to ask you is, who do you think wins the World Series and in how many games? 
so then we can keep ourselves accountable. I'm going to say the Dodgers. Over who? They are going to beat the Astros. In how many games? I think it takes them a while. I think the bullpen situation and the rotation situation gets messed up with this new format. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say six. Six games, Dodgers over Astros. I'm going to stick with my same prediction that I made on the Champions Adjust podcast, which is Cardinals over Yankees in six. There you have it. So when this episode drops, we'll know exactly if we're right or wrong. Put it in the comments how bad we messed this up. <laughs> uh, someone commented on, I posted the clip from the from the Champions Just podcast on my social, and someone commented like, I can't like wait to wear you out when this is wrong. <laughs> and I was like, I love that energy. Yeah, I'm uh, totally fine with it. Yeah, I put my predictions out there. I want to be held accountable. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Sam. Thank you. Episode 121 of Jackson Talks, everybody, is a wrap. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Share this with a friend. Share this with anyone. Please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, Give us a review on Spotify and Apple. But most importantly, most importantly, come back every Tuesday for a brand new episode. But please, please take good care of yourselves and others. Cheers.